JD Talking Sports. Drop the G on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, you can subscribe on iTunes. It is Saturday, March 18th, 2017. All right. Isaac. Okay. Does this bother anybody except me? The NCAA, tonight's game, Gonzaga, Northwestern. Northwestern was getting blown out first half. They were down by 18. Nothing was going right. Under five minutes left, they're down by five. Zach Collins, forward for Gonzaga, seven-footer, puts his hand through the rim. That's goaltending. They don't call it. Collins gets called for a tee. That would have been a basket right there. Would have been three, momentum, everything. Poof. It turns to a seven-point lead. And then the officials, NCAA said the officials missed the goaltending call. Sorry about that. Made a mistake. Game stands. Now, you know, I'm, I'm watching Michael Wilbaum on ESPN, and he says, you know, you don't want to blame the refs under enough pressure as it is. And I agree. They're under a shitload of pressure. They are. But Northwestern played their asses off. And you look at what happened with Seton Hall with the flagrant foul. They have to have someone tied. Like, New, New, the NFL has that New York center. They got to have somebody tied that someone sees it. Bam, they call in. They have an earphone, whatever. And they fix this stuff. They have the technology. Fix this shit. This is a billion-dollar industry. A team makes the tournament over six years. It pays out $1.6 million. That's per team for one bid. We're talking billions of dollars this contract. Get this shit fixed. It should never happen. And it did. You know, he had to say, you know, he had to say that, Collins. He said, yeah, it did affect the, affect the game. He said, we had momentum. We were down three. The crowd was into it. And they were into it. Northwestern's fans were into it. They were cheering at the end. There was a great moment at the end where Charles Hall, a walk-on, Elaine, Julia Louise, Darvis's kid went in and she had a look on her face and it wasn't about Elaine. It wasn't about Seinfeld. It was about a mom excited about her kid getting in there. Even if it was 3.7 seconds, he got on the court and she was just like, that's my son. And it was cool. I love that shit. I do. I don't like those calls. And Mark Few, great coach, 500 wins, third fastest all time behind Adolf Rupp and Jerry Tarkanian. I mean, come on. Two Hall of Famers. Gonzaga's in the Sweet 16 again. Hey, they did better than Villanova. Villanova is out. Jay Wright, to me, I know he won the title last year, but every other year he's had great teams and they haven't done bupkis. Now, maybe he didn't have the same team. He didn't have Arch from last year who led the team and whatever. They didn't look like they were in control of the whole game. Wisconsin just always plays tough. Wisconsin gets a 65-62 win. I have to apologize to Gumbo Chef because I was ripping him as a traitor. And here he is picking Duke. And now Duke, right now, I mean, I can't, I don't, I'm looking at right, well, uh, I'm, I had Villanova going all the way to the Final Four, losing Arizona, which almost tonight I thought that was going to be another. St. Mary's played him tough. And Nova, uh, Arizona won today. But I had, yeah, they play, Duke has to get, well, Duke has to get by South Carolina, who just got their first, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, got their first NCAA tournament win since 73, 44 years since the last one. No, 44? Yeah, 44 years. Wow. Duke has to get past South Carolina. But you have out, the one's gone, Florida's still in it, and Baylor's still in it. I guess we'll see what happens. Baylor's going to play USC. I, Gumbo Chef, you might have been right. 
You might have Duke going all the way. And Carolina, Joel Berry is has an ankle injury. Roy Williams is hoping that he'll play. Probably that he'll play. He didn't practice today. I saw him last week play Carolina when they didn't have him. The shit hit the fan. They don't have him against Arkansas. They're going to have problems. That's their point guard. And Josh Hart, last two possessions, he had a travel on one, and he definitely traveled on the second one. They didn't call it. He looked shaky, and I, I, he was the go-to guy this year. Wisconsin ends the game on a 15-5 run. Hey, every year I think Wisconsin, this isn't the year, they do it again. Nova, the first number one seed to lose on the first weekends since 2010, Kansas. I didn't have going all the way, so I'm kind of happy about that. But man, man, that's over with. And it's interesting, opening round, one through four seeds, all made it past the round to the round of 32. First time since 2007. I have an article, too, I want to talk about how the NCAA right now is about the has, haves, and the have-nots are getting, no other way to say it, getting fucked. They're getting fucked bad. UConn today won their 108th in a row, 116-55. Yes, it's not a... That's a not 61 points, but that's there's another game that uh, blew my mind today. 61 points. Nafisa Collier at 24 points, 10 rebounds. Gabby, I'm sorry, Gabby Williams, 20 points, 10 rebounds. They scored 58 points in both halves, and they held Albany to 23 second half points, over 60% shooting to 32% for Albany, 44-29 rebound edge, 34 to 11 assists. 34 assists on 43 43 basket. UConn hasn't lost in the first round since 93. 13th time since 1997 that UConn's first round margin of victory exceeded the number of points put up by their opponents. Think about that. They won by 61 and they gave up a total 55 in the game. But that's, that's not that... That doesn't even listen. And, and I, let's give props: Albany senior class of Cassandra and Edwards, Aubrey Hernandez, Belly Hickson, Tate. They finished their career with a record of one hundred one and thirty one. One hundred one thirty one. That is no joke. That's a good record. UConn twenty fourth straight first round win. They're twenty five and two overall. Listen, this stack. They haven't lost back-to-back since 93 when they lost to Louisville in the tournament and Providence in the Big East. They have gone 882, 882 straight games without losing back-to-back games. 882. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just like, what? Are you kidding me? Wow. Unbelievable. Quinnipiac women's basketball. They get their first NCAA tournament win. Number 12 seed, they beat number 5 Marquette, 68-65. We're watching the end of the day. I'll tell you the truth. I, w- I just was watching the Purdue-Iowa State game. Iowa State was down by 19. They're coming back right now. That's one of the best, better games tonight. But the women's game, I watched. Who did I watch that? I watched Miami beat Florida Gulf Coast. I saw Quinnipiac play the end of the game. I saw the end of the Oregon-Temple game that Oregon won. They... Made an amazing play. I saw the D3 championship game, Babson College in Massachusetts. Guy misses a free throw, goes down and blocks it a la LeBron James. It was on CBS Sports Channel. It was an amazing freaking play. 
Guy went, he misses the free throw, goes down, and then blocks the shot against the backboard, preserves the championship. First championship ever for Babson. I mean, that is unbelievable. I mean, that, that stuff you watch, just like, holy shit. Yeah, I watch a lot of sports today. Like, my head's a little going like, right now. Yeah, I'm like overloaded. Unbelievable. And then, listen to this. Baylor beat Texas Southern 119 to 30. 119 to 30. Yes, you heard 89 points, the largest margin of victory ever in a women's tournament game, ever. Previous record was 74 by Tennessee. 89 points. They scored 61 in the first half. Baylor's 58 in the second. 61-13 in the first half. 58-17 in the second half. 30 points. And guard Joyce Kennerson for Texas Southern. She scored 19 of the 30 points. They shot 8 for 58. Texas, Texas Southern. 8 for 58. 13.8% shooting. 60 to 19 rebounds for Baylor. 35 to 5 on assists. They were up 22 nothing. 89 points. Duke even won by 50. I mean, listen. I mean, I know the 116 in the men's, it's never happened, but the women's, when you're winning by 89 points, you don't have enough teams in the tournament. Then there's, they're not, they're not, a, there are not 64 good teams out there to play in the tournament. I mean, you, can, you can't have a 16 seed losing by 89 points. You just can't. It's embarrassing. 30 points in a, in a 40 minute game, right? No, I'm sorry. Is it, is it, yeah, 40 minute game, they scored 30 points. Yeah, that's yeah that that just blew my mind when I saw that score. I thought I I, thought, I was like, what? No, this can't be right. Oh yeah, it's right, it's right, it's very right. Man, you wow, and UConn still can't believe. Yeah, I just thought Josh Hart at the end. That and Illinois hires Oklahoma State. I thought I misread this. Brad Underwood, who was you know, I'm bl- Brad Underwood has been all over the place. I was trying to find out what schools he went to. Yeah. Two two years ago, he was at Stephen F. Austin, took them to the tournament. Then this past year, his first year at Oklahoma State, he takes them to the tournament. Now he's going to Illinois. And I was like, that's three schools in three years. I mean, I mean, yeah, good coach, but... I guess he's trying to make up for lost time, you know? Because I feel like he just took over. Well, you know what? He's not young. He's 53, but I thought he was actually older. But I thought that was a misprint. I was like, wait, wasn't he just at a school two years ago, wasn't he? And now he just started. I was like, all right. Now, the number six seeds in the men's side are one and three versus the 11 seeds, 14 and 18 since the 2010 tournament. And USC has had 13 comeback victories from double digits this year, including actually both games in the tournament this year. And they play, USC plays next. Yeah, they came back from SMU. And they also came back from Providence. They They were down double digits to Providence and double digits to SMU. Can they keep it going? I don't know. Anything's possible, right? Yeah, any, I mean, so that's the thing with that front. Now, I thought this was interesting. Vanderbilt, you know that Matthew Fisher Davis committed the 
foul. He thought they were down. He called it a dumbass foul. He put put a lot of blame on himself. Then the coach comes back. Bryce Drew comes back, and he, you know, he he says something just interesting. He said, you know, he made a mistake at the end. I mean, I'm not sure what happened. He's the type of person that he feels some that he feels some blame for it. He said the second half we had no chance if he didn't make some of the shots that he did. I just want to let him know that you know we're with him no matter what. Every single one of us. He said we're is it we're a team. I'm going to make mistakes and everybody's going to be around me and support me and vice versa. That's just the how the, the way it was. He says from day one we teach our guys that we're a team and one play at the end or one or two plays at the end doesn't lose a game for us. There's plays throughout the whole game that coaches can call better, that, that players can play better. We've had that pattern throughout the whole year with our guys. He says, I'll talk more to Matt more in depth at some point. He's down about it. It could have been a miscommunication. He looked over at me before, but one play doesn't lose the game for you. And I'm proud of the guys fighting back and being in that situation. And he said, without him, we wouldn't even be close to being in that situation. And, you know, Bryce Drew noted that, you know, he did have 22 points, shot 7 for 15. He said he forgot the time and score. Simple, you know, simple situation that spectators often forget players lose track of. And that mistake, you know, impacted the game. And I liked it. That's what he said. You know, I make mistakes. We all, but it, we're a team. We make mistakes as a team. And then, you know, it's like when a kicker makes misses a field goal or an extra point when Minnesota, and I know they got hard on him, but it's one play. There was plays throughout the game. That was one play. There was instances maybe they got a first down, a guy dropped a pass, but that's all you remember is that one little play. He had a, he had a hell of a game, Fisher Davis. Hell of a game. I don't, I don't put blame on him at all. At all. And I thought it was good that his coach came to his aid and was like, you know, okay. Shit happens. Let's move on. We all make mistakes. Things get screwed up. And uh, Pete Thamel from SI.com, like I talked before about the haves and the haves not. Now, as of the late game Friday night, there were only four upsets so far. And the NCAA defines an upset as five seeds apart or more. Now, number 12, Middle Tennessee beat Number five, Minnesota. But it actually, Middle Tennessee was favored, and they won by nine. Of the four upsets so far in this tournament, the biggest underdog was USC. And, you know, just like underdog Syracuse last year advanced to the Final Four as the number 10 seed, they also played in the ACC, you know. And look at you, look at Xavier, who won today. Now they're going to the Sweet 16. Rhode Island were only two-point underdogs in their games in the first round. They both won. And then you have Wichita State and Dayton on Friday. Now, Wichita State was a 10 seed. They were 31-4 and four as a 10 seed. And they had a Ken Palm rating, which rates the teams number eight in the country. And Dayton was a 7 seed. And they said it was, you know, both of them should have been, Wichita State should have been a 10, and Dayton should have been a 7. Now they're both gone. And there's teams that, you know, they maybe they should have been given a shot against somebody. And, but that's that's how sometimes the seeding the seating goes, right? And Archie Miller, who was the coach of Dayton, said, a number four seed, I don't think you're going to get a 30 or 31 win team with that depth who can fire that amount of bodies of you. Their depth and size in the three, and three, four, five positions is as good as anyone in the country. And listen to this. Double-digit at-large bids came from outside the power conference in 2012, 13, and 14. This year, four. Double digits to four. 
and the seedings for the A10, AAC, Conference USA, and Valley schools were all shaky. And, you know, hey, if Vegas can say that Middle Tennessee State is better than Minnesota, why can't the committee see it? And Miller said it's discouraging. He told he discouraging. He told Sport Illustrated earlier this week. He said they don't want to say they're pushing you out. In many ways, they are. And there's a bunch of reasons. You have Xavier, Creighton, Butler, Davidson, VCU, and George Mason. They all upgraded from lower leagues to uh, from mid majors to now they're at major. They're in major conferences. And you've got up transfers, kids transferring to upper level schools because you know. Hey, they want to go to schools where they're going to be get bids and where they're going to be seen. Not and the smaller schools get seen once in a while, but they want to go to schools where they're going to be on TV all the time. Big Ten's on TV all, all the time. ACC, Big East, all the t- a- SEC. I don't put the SEC. Okay, Big Ten, ACC, Big Twelve. They're all on TV all the time. That's what they want to do. And also, Archie Miller brought up a good point. He says they're going to go to a twenty-game league schedules like the ACC is doing in two thousand nineteen, and. It's going to make mid-majors even harder to get top 50 wins. He goes, you're looking at 25 games against high-major foes. How many game, more games are they going to play? And why would they? If they have 20 conference games, why are they going to go out to play these mid-majors and all that? They're not. They're not. And you're talking about every bid is worth $1.6 million over six years. Do, do the math. You had, nine te- you had seven teams in from the Big East. Do the math. Seven. Over $11 million for the tournament. Over, over six years, $11 million. That's a lot of money. It all adds up. And that's, that's, that's a bid. And then you, if you win, it keeps, the number keeps going up. You go on a run like Villanova did last year, a lot of money for the conference. And Shaka Smart, Texas coach, brought up a good point. You know that I, I don't think it's made high majors better. It's not like they're so much better when they once were. And you have to allow more access for the small leagues, which means better representation in the NCAA selection committee. Five of the 10 members are from the six top basketball conferences, half of them. And seven of the 10 hail from FBS schools. When half the committee comes from six conferences, you know, it shouldn't come to a shock that they make up more than 80% of the at-large field. They They said if a Republican president filling the Supreme Court with his judges is going to lead a conservative rule, what, what, of course, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to lead a conser- Republican president's going to have conservative judges in the Supreme Court. It's common sense. And Wichita coach Greg Marshall said, I think Dayton deserves a better draw in this tournament. So did the Shockers. When the odds are stacked against the underdogs before a tip-off, we all lose. And I agree. We all lose. It's bullshit. It really is. It's disgusting. And I, I, I like to see the underdogs. I like to see some of these schools hey Bryce Bryce came Bryce came from a, a small school he had that shot in the tournament I went crazy I remember that he had he had a great Valparaiso he had a great freaking tournament for them you want those one shining moments moments you do you want those guys to have to go on a little bit of a run <laughs> I remember when I went to the game it was oh it was Coppin State was tied was beating or they were tied I think they were tied against Cincinnati was the two seed and after people's going ape shit now they lost by 40 but I'll tell you it was it was fun to watch for a half and you would these teams should get that shot they bust their ass all year okay you can't lose by 89 you can't lose by 89 like Albany but hey they were playing the they're playing the greatest team out there I know sometimes I feel like I'm contradicting myself but 
that's the thing. I feel like you got to give these teams a shot. And Albany was going against a great team. But I feel like a, a Dayton, I would have liked Dayton to have given a shot against a good team. I'm saying, hey, some of these 16 seeds are really 16 seeds, but there are teams out there that should be given a shot. Hey, I watched say the women, Oregon Temple, tight game, seven ten game, tight. They were they played they played their asses off, and you don't want either team to lose. And that's what you want in this tournament. You want the games to go. Hey, Villanova one seed, poof, they're done. Wisconsin played in the Big Ten. They play a lot of big games every every season. They were, in, you know. They come in, I, I, I thought Virginia Tech was going to beat them. They came in as an eight seed. But that's misleading a little bit with the conference they play in. I would love to be in that room. I'd like to see how they pick this stuff. It would be very interesting to watch. Now, South Carolina, Alex English, 63. Remember Alex English? NBA scoring champion. He was a freshman 44 years ago in 73. He said, he tried to recall the last time they won a tournament game. He was a freshman. He said we played at the Hoff Hines Pavilion in Houston beat Texas Tech. He can, I can, I can, that's it. I can't remember much more. Actually, you know, they they that South Carolina defeated Louisiana Lafayette 98-85 in a regional consolation game after losing to Memphis State in the round of 16. But they actually ended the drought. They beat Marquette 93-73, and they play number two seed Duke on Sunday in a Sacramento game. Sindarius Thornwell had 29 to lead South Carolina. They were 104 miles from the campus in Columbia. They were playing in Greenville. And the crowd was pro-South Carolina. And English was asked about, you know, that, you know, this was uh, more, you know, South Carolina when he went was more of a football school. He said, no. Back then they were independent in 73 and they joined the SEC in 91. He goes, we were about basketball at the time. We were, we, you know, they had Frank McGuire as the coach. Football was just another game when I played here. It's changed once upon a time. We were all about basketball. And the players said, if we win Sunday, it will be like beating Kentucky. You live to play for teams like Kentucky and Duke or play against them. Wishing them luck. Wishing them a lot of luck. It's nice, right? It's nice when they can win a game like that. I love reading stuff like that. Yeah, I really do. And, uh, you know, I talked yesterday. I'm still in the basketball kick right now. The Cavs sat today LeBron, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love while they play the Clippers on ABC. The whole promo was about LeBron coming back and all this stuff. LeBron has had five triple doubles in 10 games since the All-Star break. Now, they sat today, the three of them. They lost by 30 to the Clippers. Jefferson led the Cavs with 12. Richard Jefferson, Blake Griffin had a 23. Cavs fall to 45 and 23. Clippers improved to 41 and 29. And he was drinking a coffee on the bench. You know, he's thirsty. You know, you know, he's the rest. You know, I, I, I don't think these guys can play 82 games a season, right? They can't do that. They need some time off, right? But I wonder what Ryan thinks about this. Because I still remember, and you know, now, he got suspended that time, Kobe, but I was pissed that he wasn't playing. And you don't think Clipper fans were pissed for the one game that LeBron comes out west that he wasn't playing or Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love? I'd be, I'd be really pissed. Those are expensive goddamn tickets. It's, it sucks, man. And Russell Westbrook today had a almost triple-double, 28, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 
Thunder beat the Kings 110-94. to And Doug McDermott from Creighton, 21 off the bench for the Thunder. OKC's 40-29. and Sacramento fell to 27-42. and Hey, they're 11 games over 500. They'd be at 500 without him. Unbelievable. And today, in 1995, Michael Jordan issued a press release with two words, I'm back. I miss him. I miss him playing. And I read an interesting story about Seth Curry today, averaging over 13 a game, almost three assists, three rebounds, over a steal a game. This is Seth Curry, Steph's brother. March, he did an eight-game streak of averaging 22 points a game, and he's draining threes at a better clip than his brother, Steph. He said Steph did everything. Seth said Steph did everything better than him. Better, better athlete, better student, all this stuff. Could do everything better than him. He was playing in the D-League for a couple of years. He almost said, you know what? He said, is this going to be it for me? And he put the work in. He said, even after games. And now he's with the, you know, the, the Mavs. What, a 23? I think they've 23 game, 23 wins this season. Doesn't matter, man. Seth Curry is working his ass off to stay here and keep kicking butt. As well he should be, right? He sees what his brother does. And, you know, for him, everything comes a little harder, but he's not giving up. He's going he's gonna to keep trucking along. You got to love that stuff. And Mark Rubin said he wants to keep him around forever. Yeah, they're 29 and 39. And Purdue just beat... We stay in the second half. I beat Ohio, Iowa State 80-76. to doesn't matter because I took Purdue losing to Vermont the first round. <laughs> I had Vermont going all the way to the Sweet 16. I'm way off. So Iowa State is now going to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I'm way off. A lot of Big 12 teams actually still alive. Oh, wow. And the uh, Triple G Daniel Jacobs fight is about to start on HBO pay-per-view. I'm not paying $60 for, $64 for that fight. But I'm I'm rooting for for uh, Seth Curry. Keep keep playing hard. Now this is kind of good news for the Mets. How about this? Syndergaard, five shutout innings today. One earned run, two singles, two base on balls, eight Ks against the Cards minor leaguers. Travis Darno said he could have done it against anybody today. Seventy pitches. Now he has a changeup to go with the hundred mile power fastball, ninety three mile power slider. He could have a monster year. Man, if he's got three pitches like that, dominant pitchers, foam at the mouth. I still remember when I saw Gooden pitch that 24-4 and four year. He was unstoppable. And JPP, what will he add to the 50 sacks in 95 regular season games? We shall see. Time will tell, right? And I talked about this with the hockey, that the USA Hockey is reaching out to the women's players' attorney to try to reach an agreement so they'll play in the World Championships in Plymouth, Michigan. I think they're going to hold that for more. I think they don't give a shit. They're like, hey. Now, I really wanted to see the fight tonight. I really wanted to see the Triple G fight. I wanted to see him against Daniel Jacobs. Now, Daniel Jacobs missed the weigh-in today for the IBF title, which is done on the day of the fight, the morning of the fight, which is unique. Dan Raphael from ESPN said, you know, that's a unique thing. And you can carry no more than 10 pounds over the fight's weight limit when they weighed in on Friday. Now, they both weighed in under 160 pounds, the middleweight limit, when they stepped on the scales on Friday. And Raphael says there's a benefit of 
Jacob's skipping. Now, he, Jacob's is naturally the bigger guy. Found a way in, he could rehydrate and be stronger on fight night. Hey, you know what? In the end, you want the goddamn win. And yeah, you can't have a way in the day of the fight and expect the guys to be... that. It just doesn't work. But that's the IBF, man. Alphabet soup kind of thing with all those ratings and everything. I really want to see the fight. I just, I'm like, I'm not spending $64. I, I was like, I'm not spending... And it pisses me off, man. I used to, you know, Tyson always fought. And I'll tell you, I did see Tyson Spinks we paid. And what was it, 30, 40 bucks back then? And I remember the guy getting stuff. He comes in, it's over. And then there were fights in the parking lot. We were William Patterson. I don't, it's not even called William Patterson anymore. But it was fights in the parking lot. It was crazy. And it's at the garden tonight. How cool would that be to be at the fight tonight? Be awesome. All right. I saw a really cool 30 for 30 on The Bad Boy of Bowling by Brian Storkel. He directed it. I'm Pete Weber. Now, Pete Weber is the son of the Hall of Famer Dick Weber, who founded the Professional Bowlers Tour back in association back in '58. His dad. Now, this is a time when there wasn't a lot of low prize money. He won over nine hundred thirty thousand in earnings, and you know, he, I saw a picture of him talking to Casey Stengel. They were on Wild World of Sports for thirty-five years. They they were the number one show. I mean, they were bigger than anybody. There was a guy here talking about how we watched Dick Weber play in Madison Square Garden as an exhibition and said, that, that's what I want to do for a living. And he, oh, I remember him. Dick Weber always had this kind of like cool, kind of like he was like like Vince Scully or like he was like uh, Arnold Palmer. He was Arnold Palmer of, of bowling. Well, his son, son was a little different. Dropped out of high school at 17. He wanted, he said, uh, what am I doing? I want to bowl. It's been suspended five times. Been in rehab for alcohol four times. It was on ABC. Now, ABC had on bowling on from 62 to 97. Now, in 2000, three Microsoft executives bought the PBA for $5 million, And they put Steve Miller, who was a former exec at Nike, to head up marketing and, and create a new image for the PBA. This led to Weber, Pete Weber, kind of like, there was a tournament where he kind of like was getting, got riled up. I think a fan said something to him and he just said he had to get a little pissed off. He, put, he was wearing sunglasses. He did this, what was it, a crotch? <laughs> he did a crotch chop. He used to get an ESPN and all that, but they got an ESPN. They would put it on the top 10, you know, they have top 10 lease moments, whatever. And Dick Weber said, I, don't, I didn't give a shit. I was on ESPN. And it changed the whole perspective of, it brought the ratings up. They got better ratings after the 2000, in the 2000s than hockey. And Dick Weber won on the tour, tour three, 37 times, and he broke his dad's record with five U.S. Open titles. His dad only had four. He also won 10 majors, which tied him with Earl Anthony, who was like a king. He also had 80 perfect 300 games at PBA competition through 2016. He also had made made over 3 million, 3.9 million he made in prize money. He's the oldest winner of the US Open at 49. He won at 49 to break the record and he did a strike in the last frame to win the title and he won. It was a pretty cool documentary. I liked him with the shades. Looks like he's lived little. He looked like he had a scar in his eye, but he look he loved what he did. You know, he got, got out of it for a little while. He said it became a job when it's a job you shouldn't do anymore. If you get a chance to see it, you know, I remember as a kid, I, I never was a good bowler. But it was a pretty cool documentary. 
you know, he, he did his own way. I mean, to still be winning at 49, he wasn't even favored in 49 when he was at, when he was 49 to win the U.S. Open. Won for the fifth time, broke his dad's record. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Seventh, he won seven Player of the Year awards, which he did it. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, 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 I just, you know, sometimes you watch these short documentaries and you're just like, wow. It just makes you think, you know, that's why I love sports so much. You know, I, I just think, and because it's, re, it's, it's real results. You watch it, you see the end, and it's exciting. And U.S. is up in, this is to get in the semis of the World Baseball Classic. I know a lot of people don't care, but it's kind of cool. Giancarlo, Giancarlo Stanton hit a two-run homer. USA is up 4-2 on the Dominican Republic. And that's for it to get in to play Japan in the World Baseball Classic. How about that? Yankees lost today. They're now 16-6. Mets won over the Cardinals 5-4. Yeah, all the games are over. Even the women's game. Yeah, Tennessee won. Baylor, wow. What was another blow? There was another blow. Oh, yeah. Duke beat Hampton. Duke, as a two seed, beat 15 seed Hampton by 63. That's, that's, that's out of control. And Washington, off the Final Four, they won by 28 over Montana as a three seed. Warriors are up by 27 on the Bucks. Top of the fifth USA up on the Dominican Republic, 4 to 2. All right. Oh, and we got, do we have, we have some trivia questions. Now, probably this song's not going to play. No, that's live. I don't want to play. Do I want to play a live version? Sorry about the technical difficulties. And we are back. All right, trivia questions for tonight. All right, trivia question from last night. True, false. Has any NBA player ever won three consecutive All-Star MVP awards? False. Most points scored in an NBA All-Star game. That's tonight's question. Most points scored in an, in an NBA All-Star game. Also, quickly, I want to I give a shout-out. The picture I have up today is from the Gonzaga goaltending. Michael Schamberger, I'm going to put it on my feed, but I want to thank him for the awesome picture on Gonzaga with the goaltending. All right, tomorrow, we'll see UNC playing Arkansas at 6, 10 p.m. on CBS. And I'll talk about Triple G and Daniel Jacobs. If I can get some, if I can watch it, maybe I'll be able to watch it later. All right, have a good night. Peace out. Talk to you soon.